if I somehow didn't live up to that same performance, it would be a disappointment. Felt like I had failed before it even began. That was Missy Franklin. How could a five-time Olympic champion feel like a failure? This week, we're dealing with expectations. My name's Ed Knowles, and this is the Olympic Channel podcast. Each week, we take a topic, get someone Olympic to talk about it, because, well, why not learn from the best? We want to help you think just like an Olympian. So how do you deal with expectations? Today, we follow Joseph Schooling's incredible journey from being a teenage swimmer to a Michael Phelps beater. Joseph schooling, simply sensational. And with the weight of the nation and maybe even the world on his shoulders, how can he combat expectations? If you can imagine your life goals in the sport of swimming have been answered. We talked to Missy Franklin about her expectations for Tokyo 2020. I don't really like the word comeback because I think that is pressure. Oh, and we also asked her who she wants at the opening ceremony at LA 2028. So let's start with Joseph schooling. He's from Singapore, and before Rio 2016, his country had never won Olympic gold. His best discipline in swimming is the 100-metre butterfly, and there won't be any gold medals for guessing who is good at that. Yep, that's right, Michael Phelps. You know him, he's the most decorated Olympian of all time. Just imagine winning that. Imagine beating the mighty Michael Phelps. Schooling, his family and his coaches are going to talk us through all of that and about expectations, but before that, let's let the man himself take us back to where it all began. Singapore is known for being a sporting nation, and a lot of people have said, we'll never win the Olympic gold medal. This 21-year-old Singaporean, Joseph Schooling, what a superstar. History might come in the form of Singapore's Joseph Schooling. Everyone knows the Olympics is the biggest thing. This young man, he has a very strong sense of history and legacy. It takes a tough, courageous person to handle that pressure. Everyone is watching and that's the pinnacle for athletes. He has been so impressive and now he finds himself in the fastest lane. Keep your nerves, keep composed. Now, seeing the sit and having to execute everything that I trained for. That was probably the biggest moment in my life. He was a happy baby. Very happy baby, very easy to look after. That's May Schooling, Joseph's mother. He loved the water. Every holiday we go, it's like he stays in the water. He was about eight years old, and 4.30 in the morning, he woke me up. He said, what's happening, son? He said, I've got to go for training. I said, you got to go for what? For an eight-year-old to wake you up at 4.30 in the morning. That is special, very special. And then I took him seriously. Every meet that he swam was documented. You could see a pattern how he was advancing. Then every year I will put the times he had to achieve. Target that I put him against the American four A's, triple A's, then the Malaysian record, the Singapore junior records, the school records, his PB's and his goal. And that's Colin schooling, his dad. Colin's meticulous record-keeping convinced the Singaporean government to give Joseph a deferment of a two-year military service required for all Singaporean males. This was unprecedented. Singapore, because it's a young nation, they were concentrating on building the country. We don't have enough competitions. 
I needed to go to a different level of training to improve myself. And the only way to do that you know, was to go overseas. My dad hosted the US Olympic team in 2008. Before they went to Beijing, they stopped over in Singapore. Every coach he asked pointed to Bulls in Jacksonville, Florida, under Sergio Lopez. It was definitely a little intimidating coming from a smaller country. That was the first time I've been in the US, first time away from my parents. Honestly, I hated it my first year. Just hated it. But for a 13-year-old kid, I was in boarding school. I was a little spoiled in Singapore as a kid. Never had to pick up after myself. Never had to do dishes, laundry, those kind of things. It was a, a huge awakening. And it taught me to mature real quick. Taught me to grow up. Not every parent can afford this kind of thing. I sacrificed my business. But that's my choice. It was nobody else's choice. I don't want to be the richest man in the cemetery. It was difficult. We only have one son. Always ask him, so you want to come back? No. He might cry, he might what, but no, Mom. If I come back, I'm not going to get to the Olympics. That was his target. So it's time for London 2012, and schooling had his goals. I wanted to make an Olympic final. I wanted to be top eight, and I thought I could, especially in that 200 fly. I can still remember walking into that call room. Michael's in my heat, 200 fly. I looked up. She was just looking right at me. And you know, for a 17-year-old kid to see Michael Phelps staring him down, um, that, that was definitely something. I had lofty expectations for myself. I did some really good training up to then. I think that was the most disappointing part. He was in lane eight. For a swimmer, it's not ideal. On top of that, he was informed just before the race that his swimming cap and goggles didn't meet brand regulations. I thought it was going to be the end of the world, and I started panicking. And once you start panicking, you lose track of things, you lose focus, and everything goes down from there. He finished last. That was probably one of the most horrible experiences of my life up to now. I guess I wasn't old enough and I wasn't experienced enough to put that behind me and continue doing what I, what I was gonna do. For the next six months, I was, you know, in and out of it. I didn't wanna swim anymore. I didn't wanna go through it. I wasn't focused at all. I remember falling down. I think I broke my ankle. So things like that. I'm glad I could have great people around me to dig me out of that hole. Sergio, after a while, got pretty mad that I wasn't bouncing back from it. I remember it was Thanksgiving in 2012. We had a huge falling out. We didn't speak to each other for a couple weeks. And I think that was when my wake-up call came. In hindsight, I'd say experience would be the biggest thing that I was lacking. But I'm glad it happened. It helped me mature as an athlete and a person. Those are the kind of setbacks we need sometimes to find out what we're really made of. To say, all right, if you really want to do this, put it behind you, start moving on. The clock resets every four years. By the time I arrived in 2016, I've been to every major games there is and I raced against everyone that I competed in the Olympic final. So I knew what to expect. 
Actually, we were planning not to go. We said we'll watch you from home. Of course, my son said, Mom, I'm going on the podium. You're not coming. <laughs> That's how confident he was. Can you imagine? I'll tell you something. 20 minutes before you swam, Trace Times interviewed me. What would you wish to say to Joseph? I will tell Joseph to stun the world. Just stun it. And that I love you, that's all. I still remember how it felt before the 100 fly final. Four years of work coming down to this one moment. There are just so many feelings. The combination of being anxious, being nervous, excited. Schooling's reaction time is the best by far of everyone, and he starts well again. Schooling's looking good and right on that world record time. He's transferred the form that he showed in the heats into the semi-final and into the final, and he's a body length clear almost. Can he hold on? We were hoping to see history in the pool, but we are history because Singapore has won an Olympic gold medal and an Olympic record time. Joseph Schooling, simply sensational. Singapore went crazy, naturally. This is Trip Cooper, a swimmer and a teammate from the University of Texas. I was overjoyed for him. He couldn't have written a better story, you know. Greatest Olympian of all time exiting and you beat him. A, a three-way tie at the end. It was a very touching moment. First time we see our national anthem being sang at the Olympics. Well, that was really... That touched my heart and so did my fellow Singaporeans. A lot of them were very emotional. with the people and adulation comes expectation. What do you do when at 21 years old, your wildest dreams have come true? After Rio, Joseph went back to the US to train under Eddie Reese at the University of Texas. After Rio and after he won and set the Olympic record, he had accomplished all his life goals. He had to reset more goals and we didn't catch that until first semester was almost gone. Olympic gold medal, Olympic record. I mean, that's unheard of because he had never even finaled in the Olympics. And he just stepped up, qualified first after the heats, first after the semifinals. I was scared to death. And then he won. And so that's been the main thrust trying to get get over that and get back in the if you want to get better you got to work harder his parents have been positive with him and i think that may be the most important thing that parents could do or should do you got to get it somewhere so that you keep striving to get better and May and Colin are excellent at that. I always tell him, whatever you do, you're doing for yourself. It's not for me. You just have to support them. There's That's no fixed formulation. It's a sacrifice that you've got to be willing to take. We were lucky because Joseph met some of the best coaches in the yeah. world. Eh? Sergio Lopez, 
with a coach that was good for development, and then Eddie Rees brought him to another level. All I want to do is get him to go faster. If I can do that, that'll take care of everything else. And he's nowhere near as fast as he can go. My love for racing is the biggest reason why I get out of bed in the morning. I hate, hate practice, I'm not gonna lie. But I know that if I want to get to that point, you're gonna do whatever it takes to be the best. I'm looking forward to starting this new part of my life and trying to inspire as many people as I can to do things that previously thought we couldn't do. Joseph's story forms part of our Game Breakers original series, which takes a trailblazing Olympian and shows you how they've broken barriers to forge new realities in their sport. You can check out the whole series by chucking in Olympic Channel and Game Breakers into a search engine. So Schooling seems to have built himself a small team of people close around him to help him out. It might seem obvious, but when you're dealing with other people's expectations, the most important thing, perhaps, is to make sure that you're doing it primarily for yourself. That's what resonated with me, anyway, so much about May Schooling, Joseph's mum. Especially that bit where she said, whatever you do, make sure you're doing it for yourself. He's missed the Commonwealth Games and he's concentrating on the Asian Games this year. It's hard, but you have to choose your priorities sometimes. I also think that last place at London 2012 was really important. I don't want to call it a failure, but that taste of that thing makes everything a little sweeter when it happens. And also, you know what it's like not to meet expectations, and that can be used to drive you to achieve even more. US swimmer Missy Franklin is a self-described people pleaser. She's super smiley and really open. It's easy to forget that she's a five-time Olympic champion. It's pretty hard to imagine that she would suffer from anxiety and depression, but that's what happened. She was diagnosed just before Rio 2016. Aged just 17 in London, she was a full-time Olympic champion. Four years later, she was fighting an internal battle. Was it down to the weight of expectation? Ashley Tullock went to find out, and she started off by asking what Missy had learned from those difficult times. A lot of people, whether they realize they're doing it or not, are going to put expectations on you and put pressure on you. And that was huge for me going into 2016 because going into 2012, I didn't really have any of that. Like, I was just kind of thought it was like the new up-and-comer, like, let's see what she does kind of thing. And, and going into Rio, I almost felt like I had failed before it even began because it was like if I somehow didn't live up to that same performance that I gave in 2012, it would be a disappointment. So, I mean, already going into one of the biggest meets of your life, feeling like you've failed, I mean, was just was heart-wrenching. And, you know, so much self-reflection and, you know, this long process after that where I really had to work through, like, I really, you know, went in there with other people's goals. And that's not why I do this. That's not why I swim and that's not who I am. And so kind of figuring out how to get back to, to me and to my goals and to what I'm working towards and, and seeing how I can apply that moving forward in ways that I can kind of avoid listening to the outside noise a little bit. It's interesting you, you talk about that going into London and then going into Rio and the expe expectations. How much of a gift is it 
going into an event without the expectations, particularly thinking about the Youth Olympic Games coming up with Buenos Aires in October. This is a rare opportunity for some of these athletes. Absolutely. And it's, I honestly, like, it's a sigh of relief, like thinking about going into a big event without expectations and, you know, just knowing you're, you're almost free to just go out and be you and, and to do the best that you can. And I think one of the hardest things to learn as an athlete is to still get that feeling once you have those expectations on you, how to still let those go. And, you know, it's hard because, you know, we get even more pressure from the media when they say, like, look at how well they're doing despite the pressure that's being put on them. Like, it's just, it's just so hard. It's like one thing stacked on top of the other. And, and so, you know, being able to go into something, you know, for all the athletes that are participating at the Youth Olympics, like, I would just encourage them to go out and just take in the experience. I mean, every moment of it to be proud of themselves for being there, to learn from the people around them and to just go out there and, and do the best that they can do and you know, be happy with that because that's all we can ever do. For you personally, you've obviously gone through that cycle and now you're going into, are, or are you going into a new phase of who you are having gone through, um, I guess ups and downs have you rediscovered a bit more about yourself and can we call this you know you mounting a comeback you know I I definitely have discovered so much about myself I've grown so much in the past several years and you know it's it's kind of hard I I don't really like the word comeback because I think again with that is pressure and expectation that okay you're having a comeback like that means you're gonna have to be as good as you once were and in my mind, like, I've already made a comeback. Like, in my mind, the fact that I'm still swimming is already my comeback. And the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm still here and enjoying it and loving it and fighting for it, like, that is my comeback already. And whether that takes me to a third Olympic Games or not, like, I'm so proud of myself for that. And so I think for me, it's, it's really coming back this time and, and doing it for me mm -hmm. and for no one else. And... I have no idea what to expect. I really don't. Um, you know, I'm training so hard and I haven't competed since 2016. So like, don't really know where I'm at. Like there's still a lot of things that are up in the air and I know that I still have so much work to, to be done and to be put in. But like, I kind of love that. I kind of love just doing it because I want to be doing it and not necessarily knowing, you know, exactly where I am or even where I need to be, but just knowing that this is where I am and I'm happy with that. You sound at peace with it, at peace with what was like kind of a hectic time with 2016 and where you are now. I am, absolutely, and, and it took a lot to get there. Um, I don't by any stretch want to make it seem like I went through a really hard time and was like, oh, I'm at peace with it now. <laughs> there, there were some really, really tough times and there were times that were really hard and times that I thought I would never get in a pool again and times where you know, I, I really had to lean on, on so many people that, that never left my side. And, you know, to be here now, I've really experienced that, you know, with the, the lowest of lows also comes the highest of highs. And experiencing, you know, sadness and disappointment on a level you've never experienced also allows you to experience happiness and joy on a level that you've never experienced either. Good on you for not quitting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You said you haven't competed since 2016. When when will you next jump in the pool? So ultimately... Competitively. My, yeah. <laughs> uh, my goal for this year is we have nationals this summer, um, and that'll determine who goes to Pan Pacific Championships this summer, and it also picks the team for World Championships for next summer. 
So I want to do really well, um, but also recognize that I, I do have some time. So if I'm not where I want to be this summer, it's okay. Um, I have time. My big goal is two and a half years away, and that's really what I'm working towards. Um, but doing the best I can to prepare myself in every way I know how each day. So. <laughs>
Podcast shout out of the week goes to an amazing podcast called Body of Knowledge. It's this really cool series where former comedian and lifelong human performance coach Kenny Kane and professor of exercise physiology at CSUF, Andy Galpin, they talk about how you can be a better human in terms of exercise and nutrition and that sort of thing. And both of them are clearly well informed. They're not trying to tell you that an answer perhaps but they do try and get through that murky grey area where it's really confusing in nutrition and diet and coaching and what you should do and what you should listen to and what you shouldn't I just think that they are really level-headed and very clever and clearly know a lot about what they're talking about top stuff highly recommended start at the beginning though it's one of those podcasts that you should start at episode one and if you liked this episode give us a subscribe anywhere you can five-star ratings, not four. I'm very sensitive. (laughs) Any suggestions, give us a shout out on at Olympian Channel across all social platforms. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time.